so much. Turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 23, please. Luke chapter 23, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter number 23. Luke chapter number 23, our folks, if you see someone around you that does not have a Bible or a new person perhaps, I remember those days, I really do, uh, when I didn't know where Matthew was. I had no idea where Revolutions was um, or uh, Tobaccic. I didn't know any of those. Uh, I didn't know where they were. And so church is a place to learn. It's not a place to think you already know it all. And it's not a place for our folks to show off. It is a place to help so that people can learn to walk with God. And uh, so I want to help you do that this morning. Luke chapter number 23, when you've located that, we're going to begin at verse number 33. Would you stand with me, please, in honor to God's word, as is our custom here? And we'll start with Luke chapter number 23 and verse number 33. I will read out loud. You read along with me silently, but we will read this together. Luke chapter 23, verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him uh, save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription, like a big sign, was written above, written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Our key verse, our text verse, will be verse number 33. Let us read that once again, please. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, the one on the right hand and the other on the left. Father, I will not do this subject just by a long shot. I need desperately you to talk to the people this morning, not me. It's your word. It's your spirit. It's your place. It's your people. The only hindrance to this whole thing is probably me. And I pray, dear Lord, that you'll help me to help your people. How soon we forget the precious things and attach ourselves to the temporal things. Please forgive us. I'll be glad the day when this mortal puts on immortality and this corruption puts on incorruption. But until that day, dear Lord, may we be reminded of the things that you have promised and the good things that you have given every one of us. Lord, please watch over us now. Let me help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Door is open, come on in as you are. All you need to bring is what remains of your heart. I see the years of fear and pain on your face. Take a step, enter in. You're safe in this place. You're never too broken to belong, never too wounded, never too far gone. Here you'll find strength, find your home. You're never too broken to belong. Find the perfect love that no one deserves. A peace so sweet it can't 
be put into words and grace that's greater than the darkest of sin taste and see take and see and let the healing begin you're never too broken to belong never too wounded never too far gone here you'll find strength and find your home you're never too broken we too were wounded and defeated so i know how you feel but by the wounds of our redeemer we believed and we were healed you're never too broken to belong never too wounded never too far gone here you'll find strength and find your home you're never too broken to belong. No, you're never too broken to belong. Verse number 33, if you'll look at that once again. He said, when they were come to the place which is called Calvary. I want you to remember that. It is a place and it had a name, and the name was Calvary. They, there, they crucified him. So now we know what they did there. By the way, Jesus wasn't the only person crucified in these days. Crucifixion was capital punishment, and as far as the world was concerned, he was guilty of uh, treason, he was guilty of insurrection, he was guilty, and none of that was true. And uh, as far as the world's concerned, and uh, this is what they did. And then on the, of course, the right hand and on the left hand, there were two male factors. They were thieves, we come to find out. So they deserved to be there. They deserved because that's what the law stated. Now, what you and I think the law should or should not do, that's why it's called the law, and you're not called the law. And so, therefore, on that day, this is what they did back then. This place, this incident, this day, Look at me, the answer for saint and sinner alike is found on this day. For you that are lost, the unsaved sinner, Calvary is the only answer, the only answer for your guilt, for your shame, for your sin, for your penalty of eternal damnation. On Calvary, that is the place, that is the answer, that is the incident that held all the promise for you. This place and what took place here, Calvary, if rejected, is the only thing that will condemn you. You're not condemned because you may feel condemned here, but eternal damnation only has to do with one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. You do not receive him you are condemned. You're condemned already. But in eternity at judgment, that will be that which condemns you. Also, let me say this, if accepted, it is the only thing that will justify you before God. There's nothing else that justifies. If you were in Sunday school, if you were in Sunday school, you would have understood that justification only comes through Jesus Christ. It does not come by living good, does not come by doing the best you can, does not come by you suffering so much, God will feel sorry for you. God will justify you for Christ's sake. Turn to John chapter number 3, verse number 18. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter number 3, verse number 18. The Bible says in verse number 18 of John chapter 3, he that believeth on him is not condemned. How many are saved? Can I see your hand? Said, preacher, I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. Good. There is no condemnation to you when it comes to your sinful judgment. That's already been handled. There is no con I'm not judged anymore. I'll never be judged for that again. I didn't say what you do daily. I didn't say what you bring upon yourself. I didn't say the guilt and shame that you, I'm talking to Christians, that bring into your own life. I'm talking about eternal justification. Because of that, he that believeth on him is not condemned. 
But he that believeth not is condemned already. There's a huge misunderstanding, I think, among even Christians that we're still making up our mind if our good works outweigh our bad works. If, if, we, if we do so much good, we'll be accepted. The Bible said, no, you're condemned already. Yes. You're condemned. You are judged and guilty already. You say, wait a minute, I haven't even made up my mind. Folks, you either accept Christ or there is nothing else to decide. Watch what he says. Verse number 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because now he's going to tell you why you're condemned already. He hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So if you're not saved, you're condemned already. You're not one day going to be condemned. You're condemned already. You understand? Because of the fall of Adam and Eve, you have a sinful nature. Not only did you inherit sin, but you also sin yourself. Amen. Praise the Lord. You do, right? That's truth. He said, I don't like that, but still truth. Truth is truth. I want you to go to Romans chapter number four, please. Romans chapter number four. We're just talking about Calvary this morning. Romans chapter number four. In Romans chapter number four, drop down to verse number 24. Verse number 24. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who hath delivered for who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god through jesus christ justified simply means this made right and free from guilt and penalty guilt and penalty the penalty's been handled and i'm no longer guilty why it's not that at times I don't feel guilty. It's not at times I don't think I deserve it. I am free from guilt and the penalty. The guilt that sin said, you're the one. The penalty that said, you owe, that's been handled through Jesus Christ. I was justified not because of what I do, but because of what he did. Sinner, Calvary is all you need to be concerned about today. If you're in here this morning and not saved, the only thing you need to be concerned about is not a boyfriend, girlfriend, where am I going to leave, where am I going to get a job, what's going to happen. Here, the only thing you need to be concerned about is what happened at Calvary. All else is a diversion and a distraction. All else is a diversion and a distraction. Everything else in your life, good, bad, indifferent, sin, you think it's okay, it doesn't make a bit of difference. The only thing in your life you should be concerned about is what happened at Calvary. Saved. You folks that raised your hand a moment ago. Have you forgotten Calvary? I mentioned in my prayer, is it not real easy to do that? Seriously? You say, oh, no, it's not. Really? You mean until I reminded you? No. When's the last time you thought about Calvary? When was the last time your mind drifted back to the day that Jesus Christ introduced himself to you and reminded you what he did? You've lost sight of what? You lost sight by faith. What once you freely enjoyed, the peace that you had, the cleanness you felt, the conscience that was there, the things that you freely and gladly and simply, the simplicity of the gospel accepted, you thought to yourself, this is too good to be true. And then once you recognize that and got saved, remember how you rejoiced. Remember how thankful that you were that God would save a sinner such as you. I'm talking to second, third generation Christians too that really don't think you have that much to be forgiven of. Jesus died for the whole world. You're as sinful as anybody else. You may not do as much as anybody else, but God said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You too, all else, Christian, is a diversion and a distraction from Calvary. Calvary was not just the answer for you once. Calvary still is the answer for you. It always will be the answer for you. It ought to be that place. I don't want to get into that. Go to Luke chapter number 23. Luke chapter number 23. We have forgotten Calvary, I fear. We have forgotten Calvary. Luke chapter number 23, starting in verse number 1. I want to remind you this morning of Calvary. I just want us to remember Calvary. Preacher, why do you preach on sin so hard? Okay, well, this morning I'll preach on love. Calvary. 
There's not a greater picture in all the world. There's not a greater demonstration that has ever taken place than to prove love that was on Calvary. For God demonstrated, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's not a greater illustration and example of love in the world than what took place on Mount Calvary that day. Luke chapter number 23, verse number 1. I want to skip through this chapter uh, as quickly as I can. And the whole multitude of them rose and led him to Pilate. Verse 2 in the middle. We found this fellow perverting the nation, forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie because they even came to him at another time and said, should we give tribute to Caesar? Remember what he said? Give me a coin. Whose face, whose superscription is on that coin? So Jesus himself, this is a lie. This is a lie. Folks, you don't base on what a person is or not on rumor and on story. You do it on fact, on truth. They lied about Jesus and they got, the, they got what they wanted. They killed him. By the way, they didn't know they were fulfilling God's command. But watch what happens here. Drop down to verse number four. He goes before Pilate in verse number four. Look at the last four or five words here. I find no fault in this man. He went before Pilate, the judge in that area, and he said, okay, I heard the stories. I don't, I don't find any real fault in this guy at all. Drop down to verse number six. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man was from uh, Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, uh, he sent him to Herod, who happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. So Pilate says, I find no fault in him. And the people said, that's not good enough. We want something done. You know how they do with our court system. And uh, so he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Herod, he belongs at Herod. Oh, well, Herod happens to be in Jerusalem. We'll send him to Herod. So this is what's going on. And as soon as they knew that he belongeth unto Herod, he sent him to him, who himself also was in Jerusalem, verse number 8. And when Herod saw Jesus, oh, he was excited. You know what? He was hoping he'd do some magic tricks. I heard you could do miracles. Do one for me. You know, this is what he thought he was going to get out of Jesus because he heard uh, many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Oh, I heard of this guy. He'll, he'll do something for me. It's what people go to church for a lot of times. Hey, maybe we'll see something real cool. Maybe, maybe somebody will get healed today. Maybe somebody will speak in tongues today. Maybe somebody will do something really neat today. Yeah. You're missing the whole point. Go down to verse number 9. And he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. Go to verse number 11. And Herod with his men of war set uh, him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again into Pilate. Verse number 12. And the same day Pilate and Herod made friends. By the way, you're going to find out. It's, it's a sad day, but you're going to find out one of these days. You think that sinner, that guy, that girl on the job that sides with you, when conviction comes, when decision has to be made, they will side against you if you tell the truth. They will. They have to. Because lie and truth cannot get along. Light and darkness cannot get along. They will look at you and they will mock you and deride you because that's what they, they did to Jesus. And you're no less than that. Uh, uh, no more than that. Watch this gift. And Pilate, when he had, verse 13, had called together chief priests and rulers and so on and so forth. Drop down to verse number 14 in the middle part. I have examined him before you and found no fault. Uh, this man touching those things. So I, you, you have no proof for what you're telling me I need to do. Now we've got Pilate and Herod both agreeing Jesus Christ is innocent of everything he's been accused of. That's kind of good to know if he's going to be our Savior, yes? And so verse number 15, no, not yet, Herod, for I sent, him to, uh, sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death done unto him. I will therefore check. This always amazes me. He's not guilty. Let's just beat him real good and turn him loose. I've never understood this. We'll just beat him real good. Now he's not guilty. But we'll just beat him real good and turn him loose. How would you like to go to court that way? No, he's innocent. Make sure you beat him real good before we let him go. This is what they did to Jesus. They both admitted we find nothing wrong. I want you to understand, on Calvary was an innocent man, not a guilty man. Go down to verse number 18. And the Bible said, and they cried out with one voice, saying, Away with this man, release unto us Barabbas. Now, in case you think, oh, was this a good trade? For a certain, uh, uh, for who for, talking about Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder. This was a murderer. 
they said, release to us a guy that tried to overthrow the government, and he's a known murderer rather than Jesus Christ. Somehow we have got to the place where we actually think Christianity is popular. Christianity means everybody will love you. If you live right, everybody will accept you. That is not true. Even most Christians will not accept a sold-out Christian anymore. Amen. They just will not do it. And so here our Savior, who did nothing wrong, two authorities, two said, I find no fault in this man. So they're going to beat him real good and turn him loose and in, and, and, and in his place give us a murderer and someone who tries to overthrow the government will take that guy over Jesus Christ. Verse number 20. Pilate, therefore, willing to release to Jesus, again said unto them, uh, spake unto them, again unto them, and they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death. I will therefore, here we go, chastise him and let him go. Okay, 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 I tried to get him out of this. It's not going to work. I know what I'll do. I'll beat him real good, and they'll be happy about that. Verse 23, and they were instant and loud, uh, with loud voice, requiring that he might be crucified, and the voices of them that she prevailed. Sounds like our court system. I keep saying that, don't I? If you do not have a law that will stand, then you have no law at all. So watch what happens here. Go down to verse number uh, 25, the last part. But he delivered Jesus to their will. He gave in to the people. It's what Christians are doing everywhere today. We're doing it everywhere today. Everywhere today. It had nothing to do with Bible. It had nothing standing for truth. Well, you know, nobody really likes us anymore. When did that change? I told you people that are not right left. If you left, you're not right. Left and right. That's why they call it by two different names. One is right. One is left, right? Are left, correct? Okay, there we go. Verse 27. And there followed him, you're welcome. There followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turned unto them, and he tells them, I know you think that I'm the one suffering. You have no idea what you're in for. There's coming a day when the Jews, and by the way, it started even then and before then, but there's coming a day when they will be slaughtered. There's coming a day when if time had not been shortened, even the very elect would be destroyed. And God said, Jesus was telling them, I know, don't weep for me, because in about three days I'm getting up from this grave and I'm going home to be with my father. I'll be gloriously raised from the dead. You're the ones that stay here. And it's because of what you do is what you're going to have to face. But because of what I do on Calvary, you have the right to rejoice no matter what happens. If you will believe on Jesus Christ, drop down to verse number 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified. So they did it. They did. They got their way. Let's kill that Christian. Let's ruin that church. Let's ruin that family. Let's hurt those people. Why is it we think that is so strange? The Bible even warns us when you would do good, people will think evil of you. In the last days, that which is good is evil, and that which is evil will be called good. Somehow we don't want to hear this. Why can't we just be nice people and get along? Light and darkness cannot get along. And Calvary pierced the darkness on that day and shed its beautiful light. And from that point on, nobody got along. That was a born-again Christian. Look at the apostles. What do you think? They were weird human beings. Every one of them suffered and died horribly. Look, if you would, please, go down to verse number 23. Uh, verse number 33. Then he came to the place which is called Calvary. They crucified him, the malefactors, the one on the right hand and one on the left. Then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiments and cast lots. They gambled for him. Okay, we'll play short straw, okay? You know how to do that? You take about a half a dozen straws, or whoever gets the short one or the long one, whichever you decide wins. And so it was called a lot. They would just grab it and they would give it to somebody. There's yours, there's yours, there's yours. And whoever got the short straw won or the long straw won, whatever they thought. That's the way they did these things. And the people stood beholding and the rulers also derided him saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if he be the Christ chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him. Uh, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, if thou be the king of the... See how they're tempting him to change God's will? 
three or four times by all the different people that were there. Every one of them challenged him to change his direction, challenged him to change what he knew was God's will, challenged him not to go to Calvary. The devil was not trying to get him to Calvary. The devil was trying to stop him from going to Calvary. If they could kill him before this ever happened, that's what they would do. That's why in the in, in the tomb, they put this rock over top of that and sealed it and put a legion of soldiers there. They didn't want him getting out. The devil didn't want him getting out. They hope he stayed dead. You understand? But for God, that was victory. Death of Christ and resurrection was fit. Listen to me. Death of Christ, death of a Christian living for God and the resurrection is our victory because of Calvary. Look, if you would, please. Uh, down to verse number 37. If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also written over in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, which were the dominant languages of the day. This is the king of the Jews. Turn to Mark chapter 14. Go back to Mark chapter 14. I'm going to do a little turning right here. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, look at verse number 65, please. I just want to remind you of Calvary because I think we as Christians, we get sidetracked, diversion, yes, distraction, even for we that are saved, even for those of us at one time, if you would, symbolically knelt at Calvary and accepted the sacrifice for our sin. We get distracted. We get diverted from what we ought to be looking at and centering ourselves on. Mark chapter 14, verse number 65, and some begin to spit on him. Understand, he was, he was not guilty of anything. Most of us, even if we were guilty, wouldn't put up with that. But your Savior on Mount Calvary and leading up to that and, the, and, and to cover his face and to buffet him. By the way, that doesn't mean just a slight tap. No, that's what, the, that's what the servants did. They slapped him with their open hand. But these people buffeted him, which means, look it up, it means to blacken the eyes. Your Savior, he was dying an innocent man for the guilty, and yet they claimed that he was guilty, and they began to beat on him and to say to him, prophesy. Now they're making fun of him. And the, and the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. The servants, the lousy servants, those who had no authority at all, treating him worse than a servant, walked over and slapped him with the palms of their hands. Go, if you would, please, to Mark chapter 15. Look at verse number 14. Mark chapter 15, you're right there. Verse number 14. And Pilate said, why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out uh, uh, exceedingly, crucify him. And Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas. Now we know what happened to that story. Unto them and delivered Jesus. And when they had scourged him, I guess they went ahead and did it anyway, and to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away to the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole band. Talking about Roman soldiers. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. They're not worshiping him. They're not honoring him. They are mocking him. Go to Isaiah chapter 50. Calvary. Remember Calvary. Do you remember Calvary? Christian, do you remember Calvary? Do you really? Do you remember? Not just how you found it. Remember how the Bible talks about it? Remember when we used to read these stories and we would cry? We knew how unworthy we were. I can't believe he would do this. You remember that? You know what it also does? Humble you down, get you off your high horse. Get you with thinking you have some rights. What right we had was to die, be punished, and go to hell. But because of Jesus Christ, he took that for us. Look in Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 6. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid, I, I, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. I'm trying to look around here to see who has a good beard that I can pull up. Oh, there's one in the back. Come on up here, brother. Come here for a second. Yeah. If we're not careful, we read Bible and skip right over. Come on up here. I want to see you crying in the open. This is a beard you could get a hold of. Do you understand? I don't know if you've ever tried this or even been done by accident. I was with somebody the other day, and they had a beard, and their child was sitting on their lap and just kept pulling. They do that. And finally, go, like, stop that. That hurts. That's only a, 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 a hair or 
to yes ready I will guarantee you I will pull his whole body around before it will give way his wife does this all the time <laughs> we sometimes think things like this we read about the Bible and he pulled out his beard and his spit on him. okay we go right on See, you, 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 you have to on purpose think about Calvary. You have to on purpose think about what was done to your Savior. Every little thing they did, they buffeted him. I'll guarantee you, I could black his eyes. You want to bet? Any better, son? I'll guarantee you, I could pull him all over this platform by his beard. So these people go like, Jesus had a beard. Yeah, and also got pulled out. Would that be okay with you? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this hurts. And before this was done, he was already covered in spittle once. His back was already laid open because he was innocent, I guess. That's what they did. And then they released him. Thank you very much. Keep your beard. He said, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. They plucked, they just pulled him around. They jerked it out of his face. I, I'll guarantee you, as soon as you do that, it would bleed and swell. It would bleed and swell. I want you to go back to Mark chapter number 15. Mark chapter number 15. Matthew, Mark chapter number 15. Ladies and gentlemen, we lose sight. We, 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 we watch, we watch uh, movies and videos and think that's almost reality. We read about reality and act like it's fantasy. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 15, and verse number 15, as we read a moment ago, I want to reiterate. And so Pilate willingly content to content the people, released Barabbas unto them. What a slap to humanity. We'd rather have a murderer. By the way, nobody stood but Jesus. And delivered Jesus, whom they had scourged to be crucified. And the soldiers led him to the to the hall called Praetorium and they called together the whole band and they clothed him in purple that was an embarrassment and plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him hail king of the Jews verse 19 and they smote him on the head they already had a crown of thorns on his head and then they beat it with a reed a, a club and they then they spit upon him again and bowed their knee and worshiped hail king of the Jews <laughs> remember Calvary do you remember Calvary? Verse number 20. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe, put on his own clothes, and led him to be crucified. Please go to Psalm chapter 22. Middle of your Bible, Psalm 22. Remember Calvary? Sinner, you need to remember Calvary. Christian, you need to remember Psalm chapter 22, verse number 1. You'll identify this right off the bat. Yes, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is a prophecy concerning Jesus hundreds of years later. Watch what it says. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is one of those things that Jesus cried out on the cross. Why art thou so far from helping me? And from my, you remember the Bible said that God turned his back. God could not look upon his own son. Look, folks, we sin. Jesus was simply carrying sins for other people, and God said, I can't look on sin. I can't do that. Understand what was going on in that day. When at noon it became dark for three hours, understand. From noon until three in the afternoon, it was dark. I think God was putting a thick covering between he and what was going on with his son. He could not look upon him. Why? He, was, he, wouldn't, he didn't sin. He was simply carrying sin for other people. By the way, if you're such a good Christian, how about trying to carry the sin and the hurt of somebody else until they get things right? No, what we want to do is release unto us Barabbas and kill the Christian. Remember Calvary? Watch what happens here. Drop down to verse number 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn and shoot out the lip and shake their head. Here's that, they're walking by going like this. Verse number eight. He trusted the Lord, talking about Jehovah, 
that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in it. They're mocking. They're, they're not making a good statement here. They're mocking him. Drop down, if you would, to verse number 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. See, as soon as you start reading this, you start thinking of yourself, don't you? This is not about you. This is about Jesus. How selfish we are even reading scripture about Jesus, which really uh, about him, not about us. Many bulls have compassed me. Verse 12, uh, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gape upon me with their mouths as a raving and roaring lion. Oh, we've heard that someplace else. What's that, in Ephesians or somewhere? The devil as a roaring lion. Yeah, well, he was here. Verse 14, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It melteth in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Thou hast brought me to the dust of death, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all of my bones. They all look and stare at me. He looked down from that cross. He could see his elbow almost coming out of his flesh. His shoulders were out of joint. His bones within him were revealed by the beatings and the way he was stretched out. All, every joint in his body was pulled out of joint. Watch what it says here. I may tell, verse 70, I may tell all of my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots for my vesture. We just read that in the New Testament. Be not far from me, O Lord. Oh, my strength. Haste to help me. You remember Calvary? Go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Do you remember Calvary? Christian, do you remember Calvary? Are we going through so much nobody has ever suffered like we have, right? Nobody hurts like I do, right? You didn't say that when you met Christ. You didn't say that as somebody started revealing scripture to you when you were a younger Christian. Now we sit, we stare, we fall asleep, we yawn, we wonder what time it's getting to be talking about Calvary. Do you remember Calvary? Isaiah chapter 53, look at verse number 3. Talking about your Savior. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we, he did all that for us, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And that's the only part that anybody pays attention to anymore. But Jesus died so we could all be healed. That's a lie. He did not. Look at verse number 6. So what did we do when he did this wonderful thing? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord, Jehovah God, hath laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. Go to verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord, talking about Jehovah God, to bruise him, Jesus Christ. You say, what? God was pleased that he was bruised like that? That was God's will. You know what, you know what God is pleased with? His will. You know why? It's perfect. So no matter what you go through, if it's God's will, it's okay. As long as he gets glory, it'll be all right. Whether you're born blind, it'll bring God glory if you'll let it. Whether you're born a leper, it'll bring God glory if you'll let it. Whether you're a woman at a well who has a despicable life, you can bring God glory if you will let it. 
Watch what he says. And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord Jehovah shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul. God shall see the hurting of his son's soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the grape and shall divide the spoil of the strong because he had poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered among the transgressions and he bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Go back to Luke. Luke 23. You remember Calvary? That's all I'm asking. This is not going to wow you by a long shot. Wow, I never heard anything like that before. Trouble is, we've heard it so much, I wonder if it has any meaning to us anymore. What Do, do you not remember Calvary? Those of you that are not saved, you can't remember Calvary. Those of you that are saved, have we forgotten Calvary? Look, if you would, please. Luke chapter number 23. Luke chapter number 23. Drop down to verse number 33. Luke 23, 33. And when they were come to the place called Calvary, you know that place now, right? Where they crucified him, you know something about that now, right? And the male factors, we read about those guys, one on the right hand, one on the then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them. That is so hard to do. Yes? You can't crucify. Listen to me. You cannot crucify somebody by accident. It was not a mistake. It was a, well, I can forgive. I, I guess maybe they didn't really mean it. God, Christ was showing you exactly what true forgiveness is all about. Not when it's convenient, not when you can give an excuse for it. It is when it's purposely done, and yet you go, you say, well, they did know what they were doing. What he was saying here, they had no idea this was the Son of God that was going to be their forgiveness. Crucifying them, they knew what they were doing. The crucified part, they knew. Who he was and what all that meant, they did not know. Verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And they parted his raiment, cast lots. Who's going to get his clothing? And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also, mocking, came to him and offering vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also written over in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is king of the Jews. Drop down to verse number 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice saying, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And it sounds so sad. Do you know this was the will of God for you and I? Do you understand that? Hey, wake up. Fall asleep on your own time. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. That means he died. And when the centurion saw what was done, he, the centurion, glorified God, saying, didn't mean he got saved. Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the thing which was done, smote their breast and returned. All his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. Do you remember Calvary? just a snippet. Do you remember Calvary? Well, now you remember something about it. The greatest thing that ever happened on this planet was not creation, though that was perfect. It was this day. Everything from before the beginning of time to the end of time was about Mount Calvary and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you remember Calvary? 
Do you remember unsaved? All you seek and have need of is found at Calvary. Everything, 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 everything you're seeking. All else is a diversion and a distraction. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Always like in my head, I keep getting this notion that, oh, I don't believe that. So I would rather turn to the word of God and let us read what God has to say about it. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Please look at verse number 3 and verse number 4. Now, I know I'm cute, but I'd rather you didn't stare at me. I'd rather you look at the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I, I do mean that. I mean that I'm cute. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You folks in here, if you're here this morning and lost, you say, I'm in church. That's not what I ask you. That's not the statement I've made. The statement I've made is if you're lost. I don't care if you're in church, out of church, down at the bar. I don't care if you're home in bed sleeping. I don't care if you're all dressed up in here this morning. He's simply saying, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, that's a small g, yes? I'm not talking about God Almighty. God Almighty, that's always capitalized, hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Your intelligence has nothing to do with it, except it could be a hindrance. Oh, yeah. Intelligence is a huge hindrance to salvation. He said to them that believe not. Why? What's he doing this for? Why is he blinding eyes? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The God of this world, the God of this world, the devil blinds the unsaved person's mind of what happened at Calvary. Why? Because if you ever see that light, more than likely you won't get saved. So the devil, the last thing he wants is for you to go back and visit Calvary. The last thing he wants is for you to get saved. Catch a good glimpse of the light that's shining from there. My dear friend, you will leave all. You'll find out everything is a distraction and a diversion from that point. All that matters is what happened on Calvary. You know how the devil blinds with prosperity. I'm talking to Christian and sinner alike. He blinds with hurt, discouragement, loss, wrong friends loves people and things you love. You put anybody or anything above God, oh, I'll never do that. The way that you live, work, and talk proves if you do or don't. Quit, quit making stuff up. It's, it's the proof of what you do. Lost friendships, loves, rights, wrongs, disbeliefs, teachings, philosophies of this world, anything and everything because the devil does not want you to view Calvary. He does not want you to view Calvary. How can you possibly view someone who was innocent and beat like that and derided and mocked and laughed at, lied about, and you not possibly get saved? So the devil, the Bible said, had blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Because the devil doesn't want you. For there at Calvary is your answer to all of life, present and future, present and eternal, right now and in the future. Calvary. We're talking about Calvary. That's all we're talking about. Is that offensive to you? Child of God, saved child of God, the answer to all of your problems, your attitude is Calvary. You go back to Calvary and kneel down like you started, you lose your pride in a minute. Your argumentative attitude, you'll lose it in a minute. It's not about who's right and wrong. It's about how people view Christ because of you. Your pride will be gone. Your rights will be gone. Your selfishness will be gone. Unforgiveness, <laughs> that's not a big deal. I can forgive anybody. Uh, cannot continue on. The Bible said, considering him that endured such great contradiction against himself, lest you grow weary and faint in your mind. All you got to do is catch a glimpse of what he did and how he went and what he suffered and what he did for you. You mean to tell me you can't continue on with the problems that you have? Oh, hogwash, wash the hog. He was saved. Remember what you were saved from? Remember the great unbelief that God would save you. We don't remember that anymore, do we? It's almost like we deserve, don't we? Well, yeah, but I'm saved, you see. And we just write it off. What happened to Calvary? I'm just trying to remind you of Calvary. 
Let me remind you of some things about Calvary. Please be patient with me this morning. Calvary, the place of curse and the place of blessing. Same place. Curse and blessing. The place of curse for Jesus and the place of blessing for you and I. Saved and lost. It's a blessing. You just don't realize it yet if you're lost. Calvary's where we see man at his worst and God at his best. Same place. Calvary, where the Lamb of God was slain, where the Son of God gave up his life to give us life. He gave up his life so we could have, we forgot all this stuff, didn't we? Calvary, do you remember Calvary? Where we see the awful depths of human sin and the tremendous heights of divine love. Have we forgotten Calvary? Go back. We're starting a brand new year. We need to start it off at Calvary, and let's go forward from there again. Let's simply get back to the basics that God wants us. This is where it started. You don't start from there and forget. How many of you forgot one and one is two? Anybody forget that? That's where you started. You didn't forget it. You didn't lay it to the side. You build on that. You take it with you. That's what you do. Calvary, where we see the awful depths of human sin and the tremendous heights of divine love. Calvary, where every man must come if he expects to be saved. There is no other way. Look up here. Look up here. Pay attention. Calvary, where all hope is centered for this world and for the next. All I'm asking is a very simple question. Do you remember Calvary? Calvary, the most sacred place in all of history. In all of history, he knows history a little bit, not much. He's, he's okay. Search whatever hero you want, whatever king, whatever conqueror, whatever event. There is not a greater event in all of existence, in all of time, like Calvary. Calvary, the most sacred place in all of history. Calvary, the, where the only begotten Son of God gave his life for sons and daughters that they might be born into the kingdom. They might be born, just in case they would, if, if, if there's a way, I'll make that way. Calvary, where the rich, red, royal blood of the king was shed for despicable, sinful human beings. Calvary, where angels wept and demons rejoiced. Calvary, where all sin of all the world was laid upon one person, capital O, one person who had no sin. Calvary, where any and all men can come and bathe their troubled souls and find peace, which passeth all understanding. Do you remember when peace came into your life? Do you remember? It was so clear to me, it shocked me. It scared me. It caused me to stop, set up, and wander. I sat up in a bed in the black of night in my own bedroom at my mom's house. And that night that I got saved, I was so not used to peace, I couldn't believe what was actually going on. The first thing that swept over my soul was that he would love me. The next thing was the peace that flooded into my life. Do you not remember that? Do you not remember Calvary? Christian, do you not remember Calvary anymore? Calvary, where you can come and receive life and joy and peace and hope and forgiveness. Do you need any of those? Do you remember when that happened to you? By the way, all that happened at the same time. Not piecemeal. Do you remember how that happened? Calvary, where all the rivers of prophecy come into the sea of fulfillment. Calvary, where the blood of our cleansing was drawn from Emmanuel's veins himself. Not from bulls and goats. Listen to me. John's little brother, pay attention to me. Calvary, where sinners plunge beneath his flood, lose all their guilt, all their, all their guilt, all their guilty stains. Calvary, where all the ransomed church of God is saved to sin no more. Calvary, about which is a nobler, sweeter song ever sung through the endless ages. Calvary, where the dying Savior invites all men to come and find life that never ends. Do you remember Calvary? suffering and shame. Isaiah said he suffered that not for himself, for us. Calvary where the Savior died and salvation sprang forth. Calvary where God prayed and mobs cursed. Calvary where deep darkness enveloped the earth and divine light shone through. Calvary. Calvary 
Calvary where God's son was forsaken that we might never be forsaken. I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. I'll go with thee always, even to the end of the world. Calvary, where by faith we receive our sight and burdens are rolled away. You, you forgot the burdens you carried. You, you forgot them, didn't you? Calvary, your hope and mine for all of eternity. Calvary, where we came, where we come to our sin to receive Christ's righteousness. I'm just asking a simple question. Do you remember Calvary? Calvary, where we come with our ruin to receive his perfection. Calvary, where we come with our bitterness and receive his sweetness. What happened to us, Christian? What happened to, what happened to the sweetness that we had when we got saved? We've allowed the world, the distraction and diversions of this world to make us look unchristian, to act unchristian. And I can tell you why. It's been a long time, sit still. It's been a long time since we took a trip back to Calvary and took a full view of us and Christ. It's been a long, long time. Now we cross our hands. Now we look at others. Now we pass judgment. We do all the things we never thought of the day we got saved. Calvary, where we come with our despair to receive his assurance. Calvary, where we come with our darkness to receive his light. Calvary, where we come with our sorrow to receive his joy. Calvary, where we come with all our hell to receive all his heaven. Doesn't sound like a fair exchange. Calvary, where God so loved the world gave his only begotten son. Calvary where God demonstrated his love toward us. Calvary where the son of God himself bore our sins upon his own body. Think about that. Throughout all of eternity, he never even looked upon sin, knew what sin was and decided to redeem us. Everything, every person has ever done. You know there are days when you go like this, I just can't take the pressure. You know, that is a sin. Sin caused in nature, sin caused in you, sin caused in the world, sin caused in teaching, philosophy, whatever. I mean, let's admit it gets pretty heavy, doesn't it? I just can't take it anymore, remember? That's you and one person and part of your life. Probably one day. Jesus took every man's sin, every man's sin upon himself. I honestly believe it wasn't the crucifixion, though. I believe it was the cup that he talks about. The dregs of your sin and mine. That bitter cup. That bitter cup. Never tasted anything like that again. Never had anything like that laid upon him ever. Father, if it's possible, let this cup, not the crucifixion, this cup pass from me. Oh, what do you do? I've never faced sin, touched sin, looked upon sin, been around sin, and now look what I'm doing. I'm taking on the sin, not of that person, that person, and that person, but the sin of all mankind. Oh, dear Father, if there is another way, nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, not what I want, what you want is all that matters. Calvary, where echoes the cry. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the only cry there has ever been for salvation. Remember Calvary. Calvary where we hear the sweetest story ever told. You heard him saying about something like that this morning, didn't you? Calvary where the great gulf fixed between God and man was bridged. There used to be a picture, I remember seeing it somewhere, that there is a great gulf fixed between two um, over a cavern, if you would. And in the bottom of there is hell. Flames are shooting up. Maybe you've seen this picture. And there are people in there screaming and they're falling. And there's a bridge from that side to the godly side. And Jesus is that bridge. You'll either come that way or you'll die and go to hell. You will never make it to heaven any other way. But by Calvary, it's the only way it's going to be done. Calvary where God loved as no man, no being ever loved before. Calvary where Christ gave all that he had, that man could have all that he has. 
I have everything I have because he gave everything he gave. Quit looking at yourself like you pulled yourself up by your bootstrap. Like, boy, I've learned a lot and I know how to do this and I know how to do that. It's all because of Calvary. We think way too much of ourselves, Christian. American Christian, you think way too much of yourself. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've become. I, 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 I. We sound like the devil. Remember Calvary. Calvary where Christ finished the redemptive work of Christ. The redemptive work of God that sent him to do that. Calvary where poor souls find salvation and peace and contentment and joy and promise of eternal life. It don't get any better than that. Oh, Calvary. Oh, It's been in the Bible ever since it's been written. The world is engulfing us, Christian. You know that verse. It's slowly just surrounding us with what it thinks is important, and we've picked up the mantle. Do you remember Calvary? Do you? You do now a little bit? Calvary. Sinner, you must come for salvation to Calvary or you're not going to be saved. Christian, you must live near Calvary to live your salvation. Is it true, Christian? I'm just asking. It's a new year. Let's get started off right. Is it true? Have we wandered far away? God, now I'm coming home. Do you even recognize you straight? Tell you what you do. Think about what was preached. Go back and read the scripture and see if you're where you started. I don't mean in your maturity. The Bible says, as you have received Christ, so walk in him. Where's your sincerity? Your peace, your contentment, your joy, your love, your forgiveness. Are we yielding to the diversion and distractions that have been placed in front of us by the God of this world? The God of this world, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Jerry, you're going to have to help me with him. Take everything away from him, whatever they've got. Take it away. You're not playing with it while you're here. Now, you listen to me and sit still. You're going out. Tired of messing with either one of you. Knock it off. If we forget Calvary, if we no longer remember the reality of where it all started for us, the reality, not the factual. Oh, yeah, it says that in Luke, and yeah, it says that in Psalm, and yeah, you identified with a lot of that. If we no longer live in the precious facts and memories of Calvary, we will become shipwrecked. We will. If that happens, then how shall we anchor Baptist Church? How shall we present to the lost who cannot find their own way? Calvary. If we have forgotten Calvary, how can we lead somebody to Calvary? If it's been a long time since we've walked that path and knelt before it, if it's been a long time since memory has been made fresh, not by your past, but by the forgiveness. Yes. Son, you never left Calvary. You, you, you keep reminding God of what, what he's forgetting a long time ago. Oh, God, I know I still did this and you hate me for that. Would you please quit feeling sorry for yourself? Amen. We think Calvary was for it. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid some of it. We need to carry the rest of it. That's not what the song says, and that's not biblical at all. And folks, all I'm asking you to do this morning, please, please, on purpose. On a hill 
stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. For twas on that old cross that the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was I shall cling to the old rugged cross for how long? Till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday. Not now. Not now. Not now. You bear your cross. Someday, I'll exchange it.